indie therapy. Hi game devs, welcome to the third episode of Indie Therapy, where we discover how to market games from conception to distribution. This episode will be focused on conception, since game consultant Matt Binkowski is an expert on product vision that every game should have to avoid mistakes and time waste during production. We will talk about how we entered the industry before end, for those who wondered how to get in. This episode will have significantly better audio quality than the others, so enjoy and have a nice therapy. So here we go. Hi, Matt. How are you hey, doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm happy to have you as a guest today. Thank uh, you for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> so to begin with, uh, please tell us who you are, what you do, and why you are proud to do it. So, um, my name's Matt Binkowski. I'm in the game industry for 10 years now. Okay. I started as an associate producer. Eventually, I moved to work as a game designer. And then, after a couple of years, I actually worked on the business side of things, on the publishing side of things. And um, at the moment, I'm actually freestyling and and uh, consulting helping helping people helping companies around the world to build their own games and and shape their own studios and are you proud of what you do um yeah yeah i mean i'm proud of what i did um so the uh, you know my the very first game i had a chance to work on was dead island um, very nice <laughs> um <laughs> And so, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then the next game was Dying Light. Um, so that was that was the biggest game I ever worked on. Um, big AAA production. I think we we did a pretty good job there. Um, Techland has a really great team with great people. Um, and then I moved to work with Indies. Um, actually, one of the games that we that we did uh, called Hot Shot Burn just got published on Switch, I think, like just few few days ago. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, I like what I do. <laughs> I I hope I get I get a chance to still do some cool stuff in the future. Okay, so you worked on the Island and uh, Dying Light as a game designer. Or, so uh, I started. I started. Um, I joined the the Dead Island team as associate producer. Okay. And basically what that means is I had to do all the things that nobody else wanted to do. <laughs> so, you are like so, the ND man of the studio. Yeah, so so but that was actually that was actually interesting because because I had so many different things to do. So uh, for example, I was looking after localization and the voiceover process um uh, communicating with the publisher that kind of thing so i was thanks to that i was exposed to many different aspects of making a game mm. and so and the other thing was that you know when i joined the core team of of dead island was just like 11 people so it was everybody doing everything so so i had a chance to see a lot of things and talk to a lot of people and and then as the project grew, um, I had a chance to work with many different departments and see how the whole thing works. And eventually, I, uh, at some point, I was asked for feedback um, about some part of the game. And apparently, they liked what I had to say because I started getting more questions. Um, okay. And then eventually, they asked me, like, hey, we're working on a problem. Maybe you could help how to solve it. And and that was the I think that was like one of the first moments where I got to have my hands on the design somehow, and I got hooked. I got I got really interested in design. I started reading books and watching talks and just trying to 
learn as as much as I could about this. And eventually, I ended up designing a couple key systems for for that island. And so, at the at the end of the production, I, I went to talk to my bosses and I said, "Listen, um, I actually enjoy design way more than the production stuff. <laughs> Do you think I could I could um, move to full time design?" And they said, "Yes." Uh, okay. For which I'm very grateful. Um, and and so. With time, I was I was actually promoted to be the lead game designer on 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 Dying Light, so that was that was the journey. Okay, uh, nice. That's a great uh, quite impressive journey. Uh, it's fun that uh, it's fine. It's nice to see that um, you can switch jobs like that when you show you are competent and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, I, I think the difficult part is to get in, and yeah. and once you're in, if you if you have your own mind open, if you if you keep learning, um, you know, there's no reason why. Maybe you know it might not happen immediately. It might take you a while to to transition to to pivot to a new position. But in general, um, you know, companies try to help you. To, mm. to to make sure that you focus on the stuff that you're really passionate about because that's where your work shines right there's like if you if you start to it, it doesn't it's not good for anyone it's not good for you it's not good for the company if you if you struggle in a place where you are and the struggle could be anything it could mean that the work is too difficult but it could also mean that the work is too easy or it could mean that it's just not what you're interested in right Hmm. So ideally, the companies want to put their <clears throat> people in in the best spot. Okay, and uh, I will bounce on what you said. Uh, you said that the difficult part is uh, to get in the industry. Uh, how did you get in, and what would be your advice on uh, how to get in the industry for our listeners? So <laughs> I, I, I really like this question. So I, I think, I don't know how much, how useful this will be because, you know, I, I joined the industry 10 years ago and I think things change a bit. Yeah. Um, the way I got, I got myself into it is that before, before I, I thought about making games, I was so Maybe I'll say it differently. When I graduated, um, I got a job as a programmer. Okay. So, so I was I was a programmer working for a big corporation, uh, making important projects. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, business building business software. Um, and and after a couple of years, I got promoted to be a development manager. So so I was managing a team of programmers. Um, and after after sometimes I just got fed up with working for a big corporations because, okay. um, well I don't I don't know if there's a nice way to put it. It's just corporations <laughs> are full of shit. Um, <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of politics. Um, and and I think it's it's really bad for everybody. It's bad for their clients. It's bad for the the projects. It's bad for the employees. It's it's not good for anybody. And and I was just getting more and more frustrated with how things are run in in corporations, how decisions are 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 made, and so on and so on. And mm. eventually, I decided to quit. And so. I started to think about what do I want to do next? You know, that I have some skills and, but I definitely don't want to go back to just another job at another corporate uh, corporation. Right. I, I, I knew that I never want to do that again in my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and so, and so um, I, I started thinking about video games. Um, like I had zero idea about how games are made. Like, Nada, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, I I started looking around about about opportunities, and I and I remember I said to myself, I'll try to get in, and I'm gonna spend a year, 
And if I like it, I'll stay. If I don't like it, I'll, I'll look for something else. Okay. That was the setup. <laughs> um, and so as I was looking for opportunities, I found this associate producer position open at Techland. Um, and I sent an email, I sent my resume, they invited me for, uh, uh, for interview. Uh, I went there and then, you know, two weeks later they said no. Okay. Because they said, look, we, we really, it's not the ending I expected. (laughs) No, no, they said no. Um, so because they said, you know, we, we appreciate that you have experience as, as a programmer and we appreciate the experience that you have as, as a manager, but game dev is, it's different. It's, it's, it's different than, than, than making soft, like business software. And so we don't think, you know, it would be the right fit. So sorry, Mm. but no. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I really wanted my, uh, I, I really wanted to get in. I really wanted to have that opportunity to see what's it really like. Um, so I think it took me about like a week or or two to think things through. And then I wrote an email to them, and I said something along the lines of, "I don't care about money. I don't care about position. Um, Just if." If you think I'm I'm missing something, just put me into a place where I can learn this, and mm-hmm. and, and I don't care about how much you pay me. I don't care what this that position is. Just give me the opportunity to learn, and I'm sure you can benefit from from my experience. I'm thinking it, I, I'm I'm really sure it's going to work. And then it was like two weeks of complete silence, like nothing. Okay. And eventually. Um, they they wrote to me that they want to see me again. And okay, so they invited nice. me and they said, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't care. Just, you know, give me any job that you think that, that would be good and that I can learn what you think I'm missing. And they're like, okay. So, so we're thinking about putting you in QA. Okay. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> And I was like, okay, I guess, right? Like, I mean, who am I to say anything, right? Like, if you if you think that's the right thing, okay, I'll do it. But immediately they said, but we don't think you're going to last more than three months in QA. <laughs> you know, QA is a very demanding job, um, and it takes special kind of people to be able to do it. We think you're going to quit in less than three months. You're going to quit yourself. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Okay, so what do we do? And then they would say, like, so why don't we just give you the job that you applied for in the first place? Whoa. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's so that's how it's that's how it started. Um, so I guess my advice would be, you know, have have some skills. And this could mean anything could mean programming managing you know depending on what you're interested right if you want to be an artist a pro a coder a, mu- a composer a musician artist whatever right you need you need to have some skill um and and you need to be good enough to to provide some value so that you know there there they, there can be some hand holding and they'll help you and they'll you know, show you the ropes and, and you'll learn the process and so on and so on. But you still got to be able to deliver something. We still got to be able to make something, right? Okay. Uh, so in my case, they just gave me a few things to manage that nobody else wanted to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that was enough. That was enough. And everything else just happened in the process. Um, and, and don't give up. Don't give up. If they tell you no, you know, if they close the door, just try to get in through the window um <laughs> that would help me okay but it's, it was a nice story i hope uh, it will inspire people um so i invited you mainly because uh, i read your article about um product um product vision mm-hmm. uh found it very interesting and uh um 
To begin with, a question um, quite general, but uh, do you know when Product Vision arrived in the game industry? Arrived? Yeah, when was it first used? uh, As a concept, uh, like that that somebody formalized that this is what it's called and we're supposed to have it. I, I, I really don't. Okay. And 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 to be honest, I think it's still pretty vague. Like whenever you whenever you talk to any studio in the world, pretty much everyone says, "Oh yeah, we got we've got a vision for our product." But <laughs> okay. it means so many different things for so many different people, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of companies get in trouble because they think they have a vision, but they really don't. And and okay. so they get themselves into pre-production or production without having product vision. And that kicks, bites them in the ass eventually. Because it's basically that there are certain things that you don't know. There are certain questions that you haven't answered and they are blocking you from efficiently working on on making content with which what what the production should be the pro- because the production i mean quote, quote quote unquote but the production phase should be the easiest one where where the the big risks are already handled and and now you're just to suppose you're supposed to just build a lot of a lot of content but many companies find themselves still looking for the answers. So still figuring out what the game is about, still figuring out how they're going to make it, still building tools and tech that, that's required to build content. And that creates tremendous waste and, and tremendous stress and, and blown budgets and, and so on and so on. Okay. So um, that brings me to this question. Uh, what is to you product vision and... Uh, well, well, why do you think uh, lots of people are mis- misunderstanding the concept? I I don't know if that if misunderstand is um, is the right way to put it. Um, I think I would say that the the most difficult thing is that people don't know what they don't know. <laughs> so to to be able to say that you have a vision for for a product in a very simple way would be to say that you know what game you're trying to make. It sounds simple, right? Like, okay, well, we're making this game. Ta-da! <laughs> um, but but what, what does that really really mean? I mean, what 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 are the key elements of 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 vision? It's it's a number of different things. So one thing is that you have to understand your audience. You have to understand, and, and, and we're talking about making games as a business, right? Because if mm-hmm. you're just making a game for yourself because you're excited about something, I mean, that that's fine, right? Like maybe you don't even have to care who the audience is because you're just doing it for f- the sake of it. And it's, it's, it's all right. But we're, we're, when, when, when we're talking about, you know, running a, video game studio as a business it's it's a business just like any any other business mm. right you have your customers you have you need to know who those customers are and what they want build the right product and then sell it to them it's like any other business which is another thing that some some people uh maybe either don't understand on the, or they don't want to understand because it's not very romantic yeah. <laughs> no. Um so so you know the first thing is the audience. So basically knowing who the game is for, why do they play video games? And I and I think one of the best models of player motivation we have right now is is the one developed by Nike uh so so the Quantic Foundry company. Um there 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 are great talks uh available from from GDC and you can google their website. Um they have a very good model of, of player motivation. So knowing, okay, which players are we trying to uh, fit 
and and what motivates them to play so that you you know that whenever you discuss any feature fantasy whatever part of the game that it actually fits the audience so that's one and and stop me at any point if you have any questions because that's there's still a lot of stuff to cover um the other thing would be to understand your business objectives right so why are you making this game and and you know many many companies I've seen many companies just focus on this one game that they're working on now, especially the studios that start. So like, we're going to start an indie studio and this is the first game we're going to make. But in reality, especially if you are the person running the business, if you are the CEO, you should be thinking about your game number three. And the reason for that, and it it might sound like, what, why, we haven't even done one game and we're (laughs) supposed to already... Think about the third one. Um, the reason is that you need to have some strategy for your business, right? You need, you know, it's a very, it's a very competitive market. So you need to have some idea of why are you going to win? How are you going to survive in that market? And so your game number three, and you need to think about, you know, the scope, the audacity, the quality. Of, of that game mm. what, what, what are your ambitions let's say if, if if you were to make call of duty if you want to you know let's say you start a company but 10 years from now your game number three is supposed to be the quality level the scope level of call of duty that's pretty big right? yeah and, and pretty specific like it's not grand theft auto yeah. it's not last of us it's call of duty or maybe you know whatever you're ambition is but in order to build that kind of game you will need the right people enough Mm. of people with the right skills you're going to need the right technology you're going to need the right processes you know a lot of things need to happen to be able to build a game like that and so and so but at least you have a point somewhere on the horizon that this is where we want to be and so as you as you move backwards to your game number two and game number one, you should make sure that whatever you're trying to build now can be some kind of a milestone, a stepping stone towards that place. But you need to make sure that it's the step in the right direction. Right? So so because you know you're gonna spend some time and money building that first game. So you gotta mm-hmm. make sure that you know whatever tech you're building, whatever people you're hiring, whatever skills you're getting, whatever experience uh, you're learning is the right things that you can then use with your game number two and then you can use with your game number three. So if you want to focus on making Call of Duty, which is a game about shooting, in a <laughs> let's simplify things, right? But you're spending time making, you know, match three puzzle games or yeah <laughs> uh, you know it's not it's not really moving you f- it, it's moving you forward but it's not the right direction right you can you can focus on making something closer to where you want to be and especially that you know all your competitors they're just getting better and better at what they do mm. so how do you compete like you, you have to focus on something right if you if you if your first game is a strategy game and then your next game is a racing game and your third game is a 2D platformer, you, you don't have ex- you don't really know any of it, right? You don't you, you you don't have experience. You're not really good at any of those genres. Mm. So I, I think you know if you look at companies that are really really successful and th- they don't have to be big. Like look at Clay Entertainment. If you mm. look at their games, you can see that. Each one has a lot of foundations from everything what what they've learned in the previous ones. Uh, same thing for like Supergiant, right? You can you can see that they're evolving rather than having a revolution all the time. So so that's that that that's the thing, right? And then, and so coming back to the vision part, um, you know, you you need to understand what are the business objectives for this particular product. So what are you supposed to achieve with this game? So that could mean how much money you're supposed to make, how much money you can spend, but also what you should learn building that game. Uh, 
And once you have that, you can actually filter any pitch that comes your way and say, is, yeah, is, is this the game that we should be working on? Or, or the other way around, like when you're looking for a pitch, you can actually tell people what you're looking for, right? You, you can say like, look, 10 years from now, we want to be here. But we only, you know, we're going to make something in that direction, but in a, in a much smaller scale. Uh, but let's look for an idea here rather than over there. Um, so that's another thing. Uh, so your objectives, your audience, um, then... You know, um, depending on what kind of, then you have your game pillars. So, what are the key elements of your game, and 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 they should be defined in a way that helps you make decisions. Because one thing that you really don't want is having personally biased discussions. So basically, you say, "Oh, I like this, and I don't like that." Um, it's not good for anyone because, well, nobody cares what you like. I mean, if you're the boss, if you're the CEO of the studio, then everybody needs to listen to you. But other than that, like, it doesn't matter what you like. The game is for that specific audience, right? And, yeah. and we should be able to make decision ba decisions based on... Does it fit the audience? Does it fit the business objectives? Does it fit the fantasy, which is another element? We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so, you know, you need to define the the pillars of the game in a way that helps you make decisions. So, for example, if you're deciding, should this part be balanced like this or like this? Should we have this feature or should we don't not have this feature? Um, you, you should be able to answer... Yes, I think we need that because it makes that f uh, pillar work. It, it, it fits. It's 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 aligned. Or we shouldn't have it because it's not aligned. How can we twist? Maybe then we can say like, oh, well, the idea is pretty cool, but it doesn't fit the setup that we have. How can we twist it around? But at least you're having a meaningful conversation about the game rather than, you know, your personal likes and dislikes and, and so on and so on. You mean game pillars help uh, the team to realign the game with the market rather than uh, personal uh, expectations? So that's so market is something else, right? So maybe I'm kind of jumping all, all over the place because, yeah, the, the other thing is that if to, to have a vision for your product is, your you know, your product, your product statement, your, your market positioning. So basically... Mm. One thing that you that you have to do is do the market research and basically, okay, let's say you want to make a 2D scrolling, side-scrolling platforming game. You need to look at every game that is out there at the moment, released and in development that, it, that that's already announced, right? And you need to say, be able to say, okay, why the ones that succeeded, succeeded? Why the ones that failed failed? What happened? Is it was their gameplay not good? Why was it the uh, presentation layer? Was it the marketing? Uh, you know what, what kind of features they uh, they have so that you know that kind of experience is already there, so that you don't do the same thing, right? And so you try to find a gap in the market where you can say, look. Um, Looking at all those products, it seems that they're very good in this and this this area, but everybody's missing this part. So we think if we can fill that gap, we think we're going to succeed because nobody else offers things like that. This is where we're going to be unique. This is where we're going to be better than everybody else. Okay. Um, and you cannot know this unless you really study your competitors, right? Mm. Because only then you can say like, yeah, we're going to propose this. We're going to propose this fantasy. We're going to propose this, th those features and so on and so on. And they're, they're really going to make the game stand out because look at all the landscape of competitors that we, that we know of. Um, how do you know that um, being for this feature, this unique feature will uh, be, uh, let's say, um, will be uh, wanted by the market and uh, I mean you, you, I mean 
the, I'm not sure if you can know it. I, I think you should test it. Okay. Right? Like you, I mean, you can guess, but that's risky. <laughs> I mean, and there's always <laughs> some level of risk. Uh, so, so as you define your audience, uh, you know, the best way to do it is to somehow interact with them and talk to them right like hey would mm. you enjoy this kind of fantasy would you enjoy this kind of experience how do you feel about this how do you feel about that you know the, in the process of market research you don't only look at your competitors but you look at the communities around those products as well um so so you you can firsthand see and hear what people are saying and writing about that product what 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 is it that they like what is it that they don't like you know when you when you see uh, successful campaigns on Kickstarter that magically succeed over like in first twenty four hours they're already done. It's mm. not an it's not an accident. You know, yeah. it's not it's not magic. It's just that they know they, be, and they understand their audience very very well and their yeah. competitors, and they come up with a proposal that people really love to see, right? And and it takes effort to 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 be able to to come up with a proposal like that because you need to spend a lot of time looking at the market and 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 looking at your competitors so so there's that um um and then eventually you also have if if your game is somehow you know story heavy you need to know who are the main characters what is their character arc what is the story about in general like at least you need to know here's how the story starts and here's the general trouble that the heroes will go through and here's how the story is supposed to end okay uh if you're because you know immediately you will be like oh yeah is that is that is that what what the game is about really what is it that we're trying to say what is the meaning you know and because eventually that should also lead you which is also a big part of product vision is the player experience so what are the emotions and behaviors that you want me to have me as a player that when i go through the game and what are the stages of that experience and how the experience changes th th through the whole game and depending of course depending on how complex the game is the 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 player experience will will be very very different right if you take a very simple game let's say very simple game um <laughs> but let's say like like um like street fighter right yeah um you could probably very easily dissect it the, the experience into very specific stages right like mm. uh even so, one thing is a single round. Let's say, right? Your the exper your experience in in the round. Then you have an experience in the whole match, which is which will be different, right? Because when you start in the first round, you know everybody's at the same position. It's kind of good. The second round is going to be different depending on if you're the winning player or the losing player. Yeah, sure. Right and and like so on and so on and you can and and you can plot that you know how do we want you to behave how do we want you to feel how do we want what kind of thoughts will be going through your head at each stage of the game and then and but on the other hand if you're making you know huge open world RPG game it's going to be way more complex right because there will be so many different activities uh throughout the game and but you should be you should plan all of those experiences so let's say in in terms of dying light you know one thing is having the experience of playing through the day the other one is the experience playing through the night but you mm -hmm. can get even more granular than that right like each quest is an experience in itself it's it's like a mini story that's supposed to make you feel and behave in a certain way um you know when you when you focus on the activity of looting of crafting or, or or whatever each one of them is an experience in itself that contributes to the overall experience of of the game right like so and you have to know what those experiences are about because from that you can think about okay if this is what we want to achieve 
how are we going to do that? So what kind of design do we need? What kind of art? What kind of technology? How can we achieve what we want with each discipline? And what is it that we don't know? So we start to analyze what the risks are uh, that we can tackle then either during, still during conception phase or during the pre-production phase, right? Well, unless you have all those elements of the vision, you don't know that. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about is the fantasy itself. So basically, who am I playing as? And what does it mean to be that person? Hmm. So if you if you look at the old God of War and the new God of War, the fantasy on the top level might feel like it's kind of the same. Well, you play as a god of war. What does that mean? Well, you can kick ass really well and you're almost indestructible, right? But suddenly, you know, they the, the, the uh, one of the reasons I think the new god of war is so successful because it's a multi-layered uh fantasy. One thing is being the god of war, a badass. Uh but it also the on the other level it's also the fantasy of being a father yeah and a husband who who lost his wife and suddenly when you start asking yourself okay so if if i'm someone who lost his wife who, his loved one and i'm also a parent yeah what well, what's that like how does that feel how do you behave how do you talk and then you know when you really dig deep down into what is this fantasy about then you can think about okay how are we going to achieve this what kind of mechanics we need to make you experience that right mm. and this could mean level design this could mean story design this could mean anything right but you first need to understand what the fantasy is like if you look at joel from last of us right he's also a father who lost both his wife and his daughter. That's why he's so uh, cynical, right? And and uh, pessimistic and, and grumpy, especially at the start, but then he changes and so on and so on. Um, if you look at, you know, Batman. And, and the other thing is that, you know, you can focus on so many different aspects of particular fantasy. So, for example... Um, uh call of duty right what what, mm. what would you say is the fantasy of player when you play call of duty um i'd say it's uh being a invincible soldier that kicks us and uh okay okay let's get a soldier okay soldier but it's yeah. it's not any soldier right it's um he he's not a regular guy from the army He's not a regular infantry guy, right? They're, they're special yeah. forces. Uh, and when you start like, oh, special forces. So that means, well, maybe we do things that is kind of secret, but we're also really badass at what we do and, and so on and so on. But we're also soldiers, right? And soldiers behave in a certain way. They fight in a certain way. Now, mm. let's, let's compare that to the guy you play in Doom. He's all, <laughs> you could say he's a soldier, right? Yeah. But there is, there are differences. Yeah. Right. Doom like, is more. Uh, they are both killing machines, but uh, right. You're you're the the, the Doom, monsters uh, fear you. You're not. Yeah. Right. You take the fight for them to them. So so just on fantasy level, you can see like yeah, this those fantasies are different. Or another example, look at uh, a game like Diablo. Um, mm. On the top layer, you could say, you know, you play as an adventurer and, you know, you look for, you, you kill monsters and find treasure. That's that's the fantasy, right? Yeah. But, but if you look at the kind of characters and. Uh... But, but if you, but if you look at the fantasy of being the barbarian versus the fantasy of being a wizard. These are very different, mm. right? Because barbarian, you know, 
you imagine someone who's very loud and very strong and very big and screams a lot and headbutts his enemies where probably the wizard is much more composed and maybe tactical and uses cool magic and so on and so on, right? So just on this level, you can see, you know, how, how the player experience can be very, very different. Um, and of course, you know, the more complex your game is, then the more questions you're going to have about, you know, what is it that we're really trying to do? What are the important parts of the experience? What is the fantasy about? Um, you know, what is what is the art style that we're going to implement? And so on and, and so on. And all those elements are part of what you can call product vision. Okay, so to... Because we've covered quite quite a lot of uh, of subjects, if you had to sum sum everything we said in a, a couple of steps, what would be the steps to product vision in uh, to? Okay, um, so so some some of those elements you you, you know you you probably be working on them at the same time, but. Um, know your know your business objectives, know your audience, uh, understand, uh, ha have a product positioning. So so know the market gap that you're aiming at. Um, develop the fantasy. Define the game pillars and define uh, the player experience. And of course, in the meantime, you also need to figure out your art style, your art direction. So very, it's a very, it's, it, it might sound simple. The, the steps themselves are not, you know, super difficult, but the whole process is complex and it might take months, maybe years, if your game is really, really big and complex. Yeah. So that, that was my next question. It was uh, how much time does it take to create a vision? So it can take months and years. But do you wait to have your vision um, established first and then launch game production? Or can you do it alongside with it? So here's the, <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I think most companies... Uh, rush into pre-production and, and, and production too early. Uh, and, and there's, I, th I think there are two main reasons for that. One is that the teams get pressured from the top, from the, from the company management or investors or whatever to, to push forward, to push forward, to start building something. Um, and so they, even though they don't have all the answers that they should have, and and let me let me be clear, it's not that you're gonna have all the answers mm. when you decide to move to the next step, but you need to have enough answers to make sure that the next step makes sense. So, in that in that particular context, so if you if we think about pre pre production, um, the main overall goal of pre-production is to de-risk production. It's it's that simple, right? You're, you're supposed to take care of all the risks of all the things that could make production difficult. But in order to do, and, and, that, and that usually means that you need to build some kind of quality benchmark for your game. And as you build that quality benchmark, you figure out a number of things, right? You figure out what that quality benchmark really is you figure out what does it take to actually build content on that level. Mm -hmm. In the process, you should also build any tools and pipelines that are required to achieve that kind of quality. And also, you measure how much time it actually takes. So that if you say, well, we've built... 5% of the game to the final quality and we we now have all the tools and pipelines which is something you have to figure out along the way right because you don't know you're, you're building something that nobody else did before uh, you build something that you haven't ever 
tried to build. So you don't know how much time it will take. You don't know what kind of tools, what kind of tech you will need. So you build that in pre-production and you measure how much, how much time you spend so that you can say like, okay, if we're going to need this many, that many, that much more content, well, then we can say that the production will last probably this which is still an estimation but at least a closer one right but uh, but you have to you have to measure that and now but before you go into pre-production before you can build that quality benchmark and 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 do all those things you need to know which part of the game you should build as a quality benchmark right which one is the most risky one and and you should be you should ask yourself what is it that we still don't know that would make us that that would that would allow us to comfortably move into creating content in production and all those questions uh you need to prioritize them right and make sure that you know which one would be an, an impediment which one would be blocking you in production and you need to take care of this and you know just you just work your way backwards right before you go into pre-production if that's the goal of, of pre-production what is it that you still don't know? What is it that you still need to test? And this could mean anything, right? This could mean, what is it that we don't know about the story? What is it that we don't know about the characters? What is it that we don't know about gameplay? What is it that we don't know about art that we should figure out first before we attempt to build the quality benchmark, before we try to attempt the pre-production uh, stage and, and figure out the other elements. So, you know, depending on the, the, the thing is, the biggest risk is at the beginning, right? Because you have more questions that you have answers. Uh, there are so many things that you don't know that it's really, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult to estimate how much time your conception is going to take. Only as you start prototyping things, as you start testing uh, stuff yourself, you're only, as you start finding answers, you're, you're getting closer and closer closer to what the actual time and budget will be and and so the problem is that many times so so one thing is that companies don't have the right answers and they still move into trying to build the quality benchmark but they don't really know what the game is about or they move into pr production and they still haven't figured out that they don't have all the tools yet or the pipelines on and or, or other elements of, of the vision to be able to efficiently produce content. Um, and like I said, the first one, one reason is that they, they get pressured from, from the top. But the other way is that uh, company <laughs> teams kind of pressured themselves into, into moving forward because uh, con especially the conception phase is very uncomfortable because you're in you have to deal with the unknown and you know people are good at what they do people are good with programming or they are good with art they're good with design they're good with tech so they want to move into space where they can be good at what they do so let me start programming something let me start making some art so so conception phase takes a specific people who are capable of of dealing with the unknown and and capable of providing direction towards uh the rest of the team right you need to be able to establish that direction and if you don't you know you cannot the thing is that it doesn't matter if you get pressured from the top or you pressure yourselves and you, and you move forward it's not like you won't have to answer those questions you will have to find answers anyway so you cannot run away from the problem. It's just going to be worse because as you're looking for those answers, you will have additional questions from people who will be dependent on that product direction. So it only gets more complicated. Um, and, you know, there's no, there's no magic silver bullet that solves all the problem and, and that you can draw the line with every single game. Um, that's why you really need to have good producers on your team who can help you figure that out. Like how much do we still need to know before we can move to pre-production? How much we still need to know before we move into production?
uh, because it depends, right? It depends on the game you're building. It depends on the tech you're using. It depends on your team. It depends on the skills that you have. Every single product is, is different. Every single product has different risks because of people who work on it and the type of game you're building and the, the knowledge and experience that you have about those topics, right? So it's a very individual case. And, and, and I can't stress enough that having a great producer who can help you analyze all those risks is, is absolutely priceless. And, you know, the, the other thing is that because it's so complex, um, it's, it's a difficult thing. You know, think about uh, a movie, right? If you're, if you're a movie director, you're, you're not the expert on the lights and you're not the expert on the, uh, the editing and the set uh, building. And, and, and you're not the expert on, on many things. You have experts in each department. But as a, as a movie director, you say what the movie is about and you to get, together with the rest of the team, together with the lead uh, leads of your team, you say like, okay, this is what, this is the kind of experience we want to achieve. And then everybody can contribute, right? The guy, the guy can say, oh, so we're going to use this kind of lens and we're going to use this kind of music and we're going to use this kind of lighting and we're going to use this kind of location and so on and so on and so on. And it's the same with games, right? You're going to have your tech lead, you're going to have your lightning lead, animation lead, programming lead, gameplay lead. And together, it, it's difficult because it's a cooperative process where the, the creative lead, uh, the game director, whatever you call him or her, um, provides the direction and together with the, with, the, with the leads of each department, they craft that experience they, they craft the direction they want to go into so that they can provide that direction to the rest of the team and whenever they have questions they'll be able to provide the right answer should we do it like this should we do it like that what is it that we're looking for and so on and so on um so 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 it's difficult process because there's a lot of unknowns and because of the that the communication between people is 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 so crucial That's it for today. Please follow my Twitter account, Five Senses Writing, to get news about marketing and new episodes. And check Matt's article about product vision in the description. Until then, see you later and keep making great games.